Hello, and welcome to the Prepared Parent Podcast, the podcast that wants to help you understand your child through the science of child development and the Montessori method. Today's topic is fantasy versus imagination. So two definitions for today. Fantasy is fictional things, things like dragons, wizards, and so on. They are things that don't exist in our real world. And imagination is the ability to think of things beyond ourselves and beyond what's physically in front of us. So you can imagine dragons and wizards, but you can also imagine what it's like to be in someone else's shoes, or you can imagine something that's not physically in front of you, like, even though I'm not currently sewing, I can imagine all of the steps I need to complete a sewing project. All right, that's imagination, is coming up with it's thinking in the abstract and, and coming up with those ideas. So, there's a very common question. Does the Montessori method, or rather, why does the Montessori method believe in no fantasy for children? Um, this is a myth. The Montessori method is not anti-fantasy. What it is is anti-lying to your kids. So Maria Montessori, for example, believed that you shouldn't try to convince your kids that Santa Claus is real, because that would be lying to them. And either the child will learn the truth and be distraught that they were lied to, and that what they thought was real was not, or they will already know the truth and just think it's a silly game you're playing. But the real danger is that the first one will happen. And sometimes these children who have been taught to believe in fantasy grow into adults who are disappointed with the world around them. Not that they don't have reason to be sometimes, but they struggle with accepting reality for what it is. And they have a lot of hard uh, they have a harder time enjoying their life because it is not fantasy. And they also, they they can have a disconnect between how to face reality. But that's not the same as banning fantasy. Um, Mario Montessori, her grand, Maria Montessori's grandson, uh, said that she used to tell them fairy tales when they were children. So it's not that she was against fantasy, it's that she was against lying to our kids. So... There's also a second component, though, and that is understanding child development. So children, three and under, and in varying degrees up to the age of six, really struggle with differentiating fact from fiction. This is why if a young child watches a live-action movie, they think it's real, and it can scare them very easily and it can confuse them. Also, why young children who see the news might be afraid of what they're seeing on the news because they think it's happening right outside their door. And you have to really explain that it's not. And even then, they won't always understand that. So today, we're going to talk about how imagination develops in children, what is a healthy use of imagination, and what is an unhealthy use of imagination. 
So first and foremost, we've established that fantasy is allowed, but that we don't want to lie to our children. Um, one easy way that I like to address the Santa thing, for example, is rather than trying to convince your child that it's real, like I've seen parents who ring jingle bells outside their children's door and talk about how they heard Santa on the roof and they do everything they can to, to make this real for their kids. And I understand that this is controversial. A lot of parents are going to tell me, but that's what makes your childhood magical and so on. And you are certainly welcome to make your own choices as a parent. But what I am doing is I am explaining the Montessori reasoning and the reasoning that I agree with. Um, anyway, so rather than trying to convince your child that Santa is real, you also don't have to be the stick in the mud, though. You don't have to say, well, Santa's just pretend if you don't want to, because that's also kind of disappointing. And, and as parents, we do like to share our childhood experiences with our kids. We like to pass on that culture. So rather, you can just talk about it um, casually. Oh, you know... Christmas time has Santa Claus, and Santa Claus brings presents. And if your kid asks any questions about that, you can just say, well, what do you think about that? And let them come up with their own answers. Or you might tell them the story, and if they ask you if it's real, you might say, you could say, you know, what do you think about that? Or you might say, oh, it's just pretend, but we like to, but we, we like the story, you know. Or let's pretend it's real. Or you can... Even talk about it in those ways. Um, I do like what do you think about that because it encourages their own thought processes. And that's actually a trick I like to use, especially on older children who are just constantly asking you why. You can say, well, why do you think? And it engages their brain. And when you're able to do that, you're able to teach your children how to think for themselves and how to develop those conclusions instead of being told everything. I don't know if it's our school systems these days or society these days. I mean, I have a beef about school systems, so I mean, that's an automatic prejudice. But anyway, I do see many children these days who just wait for you to give them the answer so that they can give it back to you and move on. And that's not critical thinking, and it's not engaging, and it's not imaginative thinking. So I do like, what do you think? Because it teaches our kids that we value their thought process and it teaches our kids how to think for themselves so you can actually do this in a lot of ways all the time like um you can just ask hypotheticals you know if a butterfly doesn't have wings is it still a butterfly what do you think and whatever answer they give you don't correct them because if you correct them you've just devalued their think their opinion and their thinking you just talk about it. Well, that's an interesting way to think about it, you know. What about, you might, you might continue, what about a grasshopper? If a grasshopper doesn't have legs, is he still a grasshopper? You know, and you just kind of explore those. And you might say, well, oh, okay, you think a grasshopper without his legs isn't a grasshopper anymore. You know, why do you think that? And they can explain it. And then you can say, well, I think that a grasshopper is still a grasshopper, but it would be really neat if a grasshopper could, I don't know, you just talk, you just have a conversation and you 
you explore that creative thinking. Anyway, moving on. So we've established we don't lie to our children. And here's why. When we're talking about how imagination develops, a baby, as far as we can tell, obviously we can't talk to them to ask, but as far as we can observe, a baby has little to no imagination. When they think, they're thinking about what is happening to them in the moment. Um, if they are remembering things, they are remembering things that have actually happened to them. And remembering things is the beginning of your imagination, right? The ability to think about what's not in front of you. And as children develop, so that's where they start. And where they end at the age of six, approximately, there's always a range on these things. But around the age of six, they've reached a point where they can firmly tell the difference between fantasy and reality. And they can imagine anything they can think of. In fact, the ages of six and between the ages of six and 12, you see a real explosion in fantasy that children in that age range are very excited for fantasy. So I think what sometimes happens is adults remember what it was like to be a kid and they remember that age range and how much they played fantasy then and pretend and they wanted to be a wizard. That's why Harry Potter's so popular with that age range. Um, and they think that the same must apply to children six and younger uh, because it's a lot harder to remember what life was like when you were younger than six. Um, but this is an incorrect uh, notion. So yes, between the ages of six and 12, fantasy children love fantasy, but they also can tell the difference between fantasy and reality. So that's where they end. But they start as a baby. They can't tell the difference between fiction and real. And importantly, everything that they observe, everything they experience, is building their expectation for reality. It's building their expectation for what their life will be like and what they can expect from things. And so if you are introducing a lot of fictional things at this point, it can confuse them because they still don't know what reality is. So by introducing fiction, they... They think that that's real, and it's confusing when it's not. That's one of the reasons we encourage real play and, and reality over fiction in, in the Montessori method. And so, as I said, children three and under have a, a real hard time telling the difference between reality and fiction. And so it's very important that... Um, as much as possible, you give them reality to experience. And there's a second reason why this is important, and that is because as they develop their imagination, you'll see that a two-year-old will begin to use imaginary play. My toddler likes to pick up a cup and put it on his head and call it a hat. He is pretending the cup is a hat. But what imagination, a healthy use of imagination, and how it naturally develops his imagination is used to explore and understand reality. So we, as parents, can use this as a very powerful tool to help our children explore and understand reality. They're doing it on their own, but we can also do it for them. If they're having a hard time knowing what to do in different scenarios, maybe they have a big feeling and they don't know how to handle it, you can play pretend with them. You know, let's pretend 
that you're angry and you hit me, what will happen? Oh, well, I'm going to cry because it hurt. And you can just play a pretend game. Or you can do it with their stuffed animals or whatever it is. And this helps them explore reality. It is a method to explore reality. So this is a healthy and natural use of imagination. But remember that children three and under still have a hard time between reality and fiction. So when you do introduce fiction, you know, if you can tell they're a little unsure, you can just, it's just pretend. And they'll begin to understand that. And again, as they progress more and more, they'll understand what's real and what's fake. Because they'll have had enough of a basis in reality, enough experience. They'll have gained those experiences to help them uh, know the difference. Um, so we're just, we're careful with fantasy with young children. But it's not that we ban it. Um, for example, in my house, I have a two-year-old and... I let him watch animated films because he is probably very soon going to be able to tell the difference, you know, that that's animated, it's not real. But I don't let him watch live action stuff because he it looks real and it feels real and he still doesn't know that it's just pretend. Um, so there's some easy lines you can draw like that. For the most part, children are able to tell, like, excuse me, are able to tell that, you know, oh, this is, I don't see cartoons running around in real life. They must not be real. As long as they're getting enough exposure to reality. So the third reason for limiting fiction and fantasy in our children is simply that imaginative thinking, creative thinking. Okay, so there's this really fun thing. They just barely released a new test. I'll link it. Um, and this test is... It's a measure of creativity. And basically, creativity is the ability to connect wildly different things and come to a conclusion. Um, so... I was cooking dinner the other day and I was trying to make one recipe but realized I was out of the ingredients. So if I was low in creative thinking, I would probably get stuck at this point. I would either be determined to finish my recipe and go to the store and get ingredients or I would put it all in the fridge for another night and have to come up with something else for dinner. But I've been working on my creative thinking lately. Um, because growing up, I think I was very rigid in my thinking. I think I was taught to be somehow. Uh, I was just very uptight. But these days, I'm less. I'm a lot more relaxed. And I was able, I've been practicing my creative thinking. And so halfway through this recipe, I thought, oh, I'm out of that ingredient. How else can I use this? And I made a completely different meal without missing a beat. That's creative thinking. The ability to be fluid and to connect to different things in ways that build uh, helpful conclusions. Obviously, you can imagine incorrect conclusions, like conspiracy theories, for example. Uh, but you're, I think you're less likely to do this the more reality you experience and the more you've been taught to research. Research is an important skill. I'm not going into that today, but um, I just wanted to cover more creative thinking. Here's the other thing, though. Uh, creative thinking happens 
the more reality you are able to be experienced, the more it builds your brain. Um, I'm an artist, and when I have a creative block, it's because I haven't refilled my creative bucket. So when we experience reality, that is how we fill that bucket. Um, by having real experiences, by filling our minds with experiences that engage all of our senses and our feelings and our reality around us. We're able to take one aspect of that and think about it deeply, use our imagination to think about it deeply, and then we're able to use it in a creative fashion. You know, we can take an experience about being alone and write a book about how it is to be lonely and how to overcome loneliness. So that is the third reason that real experiences are so important. Um, so if you want to encourage your child's imagination, understand that these are not exclusive things. They're, they're integrated. The more reality they're given, the more they'll use that reality in an imaginative way to explore that reality. Um, so if you want to build your child's imagination, give them reality and understand that your young children don't know the difference between fact and fiction and support them learning the difference. Um, and as they get older, you'll be able to do more fantasy with them. That covers everything I wanted to talk about today. So thank you for listening. Uh, I do want to say I've decided not to make a blog or social media. One, I hate social media. Two, it takes all of my time to do this podcast. I do not have time for anything else. So, you know, if I get to it one day, I'll definitely link you. But I'm going to be realistic <laughs> about my time availability and this is as much as I can do as this podcast right now. So if you have any comments about my show or you have any questions, please email me um, at preparedparentpodcast at gmail.com. I'll leave a link. And next week I will be talking about one of Maria Montessori's book. We'll be doing another book review. So Look forward to that. Thank you for listening. I hope I was helpful for you today. Goodbye.